How can cargo theft be prevented? The Postal Service opens the books on its finances. And new research on autonomous trucks. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Rider, the only fully integrated logistics and transportation provider in the industry. Rider solutions cover the entire supply chain, including warehousing, transportation logistics, e-commerce fulfillment, and last mile. Discover how Rider can make you ever better at rider.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, we've reported in the shortages within supply chains due to a lot of different reasons, but in some cases, products are simply not getting to their destinations because they are stolen in transit. Cargo theft is on the rise. To discuss how companies can prevent it, here's Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Our guest today is Joe Ryan, Director of Intelligence and Response for risk management software firm Overhaul Group. As you said, Dave, Joe's here to talk with us about some strategies for dealing with the rise in cargo theft, uh, specifically in the trucking industry. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. How are you, Victoria? I'm doing well, thanks. So um, as Dave said, cargo theft has risen to uh, new levels during the pandemic. How is this affecting the trucking industry? And can you just sort of give us a quick synopsis of the problem? I think it has really affected the trucking industry, more so from the fact that more product has been pushed through the supply chain than, uh, than other years. So what it actually means is that more product is available for theft. It's getting into those areas where uh, it's not normally stationary. So the trucking industry is under the same amount of strain um, as other elements within the supply chain. Uh, but we have a limited amount of drivers. We have a limited amount of trucks. And as product keeps getting pushed into uh, the supply chain, those trucks, those drivers, those carriers uh, find that they are moving outside their normal patterns of where they might store, where they might stage, where they might stop. And, um, and this is causing opportunity for criminals so uh, obviously if if as a even as a um even if you own your own truck or you're working for a, a trucking company if you're if you're the victim of theft from a commercial or from a physical point of view it's going to affect you and we're seeing a huge rise in that across all regions across all sectors um targeting technology targeting food targeting fast moving consumer goods right across the uh, right across the industry so you say it's it's occurring sort of everywhere across the board but are, have you are, are there any particular regions that are at, at greater risk and and what might be driving that well uh, in ter- in terms of regions well, first of all, in terms of reporting cargo crime, it has always been a difficult um, to to get a hold of it because it's not always reported. Sometimes it might be it mightn't even be noticed for a day or two. Um, 
But in terms of regions, cargo crime in the US uh, went up 23% in, uh, in 2020. And interestingly, the value of cargo crime in the US went up 41%. Um, so the, the US has gone up quite considerably. Um, in Europe, Europe had its highest year um, in 2020 with uh, the value being 171 million of actual goods. But, uh, but you can multiply the, the you can multiply that by five to seven times for the impact uh, of of those goods being stolen. So that's really high as well. There is another area which isn't really well reported on, but we see a significant increase on it is pilfering. And pilfering has become a lot larger um, in the US and in Europe, where trucks are staged uh, in truck stops are areas, again, which they wouldn't normally stage. And the first two pallets are being taken off. But two pallets, depending on what it is, can be quite valuable. And that has really bumped the, the, the value. But globally, um, from Brazil to Mexico to the US to, um, to Europe, all regions have um, been impacted by this 20 to 30% increase. That's, that's just huge. Those are some really big numbers. Um, what are the risks to um, truck drivers and how are they dealing with this problem? The drivers and also, you know, if, if they're working for a, a big company, the, uh, the employers, what are, what are the risks and, and how are they dealing with it? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go to a specific incident that we dealt with a couple of weeks ago, um, which, which really shows how the strain on the, um, on the whole supply chain has impacted how a driver is impacted down at that level. So we had a, we had a truck that was turned away at its, um, at its point of delivery. And it was turned away because it missed its slot. So therefore it then had to um, wait for another slot and it parked overnight in the area. And uh, when the driver went to deliver about eight hours later, uh, the back of the truck had been opened and we'd lost a few um, pallets. Now we implemented our recovery and because we have visibility, et cetera. But what we found out from that was that four trucks in the area had experienced the same. And some drivers were asleep in their cabs waiting for their slot, but two drivers actually came out and they got badly beaten up. So from, a, from down at that level, the drivers are at risk because the supply chain is at such stress that they're either being turned away or they're being asked to drive and they have to take their uh, regulation break in unsecure stops that they wouldn't normally. Um, and it's all about trying to get the product delivered uh, as soon as possible. And it has put drivers on drivers and small companies under a lot of pressure. In, in other cases, we've seen small companies lose their uh, tractor and trailer, and that nearly puts them out of business. They, they only have three tractors or trailers and, and um, and now one of them is gone. And, you know, we have, again, helped in finding those. And you, you would have drivers going around in their personal cars trying to find the tractor because they need that for another load or they're going to go out of business. 
So down at the real level of drivers, this uh, supply chain um, crunch is really affecting them. It's also affecting further up the chain in carriers um, being nearly forced to double load. Um, and you know, a lot of shippers will explicitly say that they don't want double loading, but um, to try and meet the demands of delivery, to try and um, make commercial sense to them, uh, they double load. So they're opening up containers. If you start opening up containers, you're exposing them to being, to, to being stolen. If you're waiting with a trailer to double load um, in a cross stock, you're exposing it to, to, to risk. And we would say in, in the industry, cargo at rest is uh, cargo at risk. So we want to try and keep it moving. But when it stops, we've got these issues. Oh, wow. What are some of the um, steps that, that the individual truckers and the trucking companies can take to deal with this problem, both, both you know, sort of traditional steps that you see and, 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 tech, and with technology? What, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, interestingly, from our point of view, the, um, when in a recent survey, uh, the spend in uh, trucking companies is going towards visibility. And I think it was 45% of CEOs said that's where they're going to make their investment. So it, it has really become interesting in the last two years about visibility. Shippers want to see um, where their trucks are, if their cargo is being delivered, what's happening to it. But visibility is um, visibility is just the start of the process. Really getting some risk management around the visibility um, is where it works. So, uh, so understanding what you, your expectations, what your levels of duty of care um, uh, to the product, uh, etc., is, and the integrity of the product, and wrapping um, levels workflows around that, so that we know when it's being compliant or not being compliant. And that's what that's what we understand as being risk management. So we have the visibility, first of all, we know where your product is, what it is doing, but wrapping agreed workflows around that so we know when it's um, being non-compliant. So it's a mixture of technology and uh, process and getting product back into compliance. So if a driver stops where they're not meant to stop, it's not in the workflow. Risk management is about calling that driver and saying, you're not meant to stop there. And if they are stopping there because they're out of driving time or they need to take their obligatory rest, um, well then having the technical capability to lock that down, know whether it's moving, having IoT devices in the back of the trailer to know if the door is open, um, to know if it's out of temperature, to know if it's out of the standard of care that we have agreed to do it. Um, the difficulty, uh, and, and, it's, and it's really good that the industry is going that way. They want visibility, they want risk management, um, but the two of them need to work in harmony to, to get that to happen. What effects can all of this, this, this you know, really big problem have um, on the broader supply chain and on consumers? And what if you can speak about it from that perspective? Well, 
wonders delay in in supply chain but i'm not sure theft would be the the the, the main driver of that but um but i think cost would be in that uh, again if we if we go back to that matrix of um five to seven times the value of what is being robbed is the actual uh, effect on the um uh, on the economic cost of it so i think um tapa said last year 172 million was cost uh, was stolen in europe however um the european union have said that the effect to the economy of that 172 million is 8 billion so that's a that's a huge multiple so so what we're going to get are consumers having to pay more also there's consumer confidence and brand um and brand protection especially if you're dealing with uh, pharmaceuticals or pro temperature controlled products so if if a, if a door is opened um, and you cannot um, show the integrity of that product, um, especially if it's pharmaceuticals, well, then that's lost. You can't put that on the market. Um, or if it does go on the market and it goes on the dark web, we've got um, brand, um, we've got brand issues. So there's a there's a real multiplier of a, a truck load of product going missing be it from uh, technology or technology products to pharmaceutical products to food products it, it's not just the loss of the um, of the product it's the it's the brand reputation it's the integrity it's product going on to the black markets and ultimately it's the cost uh, that will push the the inflation or the cost of that product Joe, thanks so much for your time today. This has been really interesting and eye-opening. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We have been talking with Joe Ryan, Director of Intelligence and Response at Overhaul Group. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Joe and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Ben, this week the U.S. Postal Service released its annual financial report. What did it show? Well, it showed that some of those supply chain pressures that Joe and Victoria were talking about really have echoes through to every corner of the industry here. Uh, we heard about the annual financial report from the U.S. Postal Service, uh, which showed that the agency had trimmed its financial losses slightly compared to 2020. Now, it's really difficult to make any direct comparisons in business results between the years before or after the pandemic, of course. Uh, all the obvious reasons, shutdowns of entire parts of the economy, big changes in labor. But it's worth notice, noting uh, that some companies have posted enormous profits in 2021, like uh, online marketplaces, Amazon.com um, and Shopify, trucking fleets, uh, JB Hunt and Schneider National, and ocean carriers, Hapag-Lloyd and Maersk. Uh, so the Postal Service, however, said it had uh, lost about $7 billion for its 2021 fiscal year. That ends September 30th, by the way, so they're a little different than our calendar year. Uh, so that $7 billion loss um, was a little bit less than the $7.6 billion that it lost last year. It's, it's not news that the post office loses money. It's been doing it for years. And actually, uh, some people say it shouldn't even be profitable. 
because it ought to act more as a public service, you know, guaranteeing that Americans can always get delivery, whether it's their, you know, medications or paychecks or uh, ballots or what have you. But of course, the uh, current postmaster general, uh, Louis DeJoy, doesn't agree with that uh, point of view. So he's begun to implement a 10-year plan uh, to boost profits, to make the service more profitable uh, through steps like raising certain postal rates, um, slowing delivery for some long distance hauls, and adjusting the postal service uh, to better handle the packages that people are sending nowadays. Right. Well, Ben, did the postal service explain why it lost less money? Yes, they gave a number of reasons. And, and for me, that was really the interesting part of the report. So um, USPS said that the pandemic has permanently transformed the mix between mail and packages that are processed through its network. Specifically, the volume of postal mail, which is uh, the Postal Service's most profitable revenue stream, continues to drop off, even as the volume of shipping and packages, which are its most labor-intensive revenue stream, continue to grow really fast. Specifically, the service said that its shipping and packages volume remain higher than pre-pandemic levels by about 3.5%. And that's down to that e-commerce boom that we've been covering in the magazine and in the podcast for months now. Uh, marketing mail also had uh, it had actually a volume growth of about three and a half percent. But the Postal Service said that that marketing mail category was affected, of course, by a jump in political mail during the election year. Uh, however, first class mail dropped by about the same, by about three and a half percent. And that, USPS said, uh, marked a sign of the ongoing migration uh, from the way that we all communicate. So people are using less and less paper mail and moving to electronic communications, um, not only for basic communication, but uh, also for what they call transaction alternatives, which uh, means finance. So, you know, partly in reaction to these uh, major macro changes, uh, the agency on the same day proposed a price hike beginning January 9th. Uh, that would be intended to raise shipping service product prices about 3% uh, for things like Priority Mail and Priority Mail Express. Uh, but we'll have to see uh, first if those changes get approved by the Postal Regulatory Commission. So uh, some more changes might be in the wings. Yeah. Well, like everything, prices are rising, and I guess postal services are no different. Thanks, Ben. Yep. And Victoria, you wrote this week about new research on the potential of autonomous trucks. Can you tell us more? Sure, Dave. Yes. Uh, so autonomous trucking uh, may help logistics companies save up to 40% in their transport costs. And that's according to a joint study from researchers at Georgia Tech and Rider System. Uh, the researchers developed uh, what they call an autonomous transfer hub network, or ATHN, based on data from Rider's dedicated transportation network in the southeast to determine how a network of driverless trucks might affect uh, logistics services providers' operations. Uh, the proposed network is made up of a series of transfer points where level four autonomous trucks, which are completely driverless and primarily designed for highway use, can hand off loads to conventional trucks for the first and final miles. The team used an optim uh, excuse me, optimization models for routing and dispatching, and they also evaluated um, the proposed um, autonomous network by comparing it to the company's existing operations. And ultimately, the uh, researchers determined that this kind of network, an ATHN with optimization technology, could reduce costs by uh, between 29% and 40% for a large network. Those are significant savings, but of course, autonomous fleets are still a long way off. 
how does a study help to move things along? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, yeah, truck manufacturers and autonomous driving technology companies are still developing all of this. And as you say, there's no firm time frame for when we may see self-driving trucks in full use on the highways. So this study was really aimed at initiating some thought leadership on the topic from the 3PL and transportation side of things, really trying to figure out how autonomous trucking will help with the services those kinds of companies provide to customers. Um, and some of the ways that, that they determined it can help is you know, obviously cost savings, improved efficiency, but also better utilization of trucks. Uh, the researchers estimated that about 80% of mileage across one of these networks can be automated, and that really reduces um, much of the cost associated with having drivers on board. They also found that the networks have the potential to reduce the percentage of miles uh, when a trailer is driven empty by about 17%, and that's a, a big, big number. Um, and they gave a good example. After a delivery, a conventional truck has to return home. Sometimes, you know, you can get another load, but often that truck is empty on the return. And that equates to cost, the cost of fuel, driver expenses, all those kinds of things. Autonomous trucks obviously don't have that problem. They can take a load going somewhere else or run empty to its next point without the cost of paying a driver or dealing with the limited hours that a driver can be on the road and some of the other problems um, that we've discussed um, here. So it's really just the fuel costs in, in, that, in that scenario. But I also found it interesting you know, to note that this system you know, obviously doesn't take drivers completely out of the equation. You know, the idea of the hub network is that deliveries get passed along to conventional trucks, as I said earlier, for the first and final mile. Um, and that's because you can't operate these level four trucks, as I'm told, everywhere, certainly not in cities or suburbs, you know, you still need drivers for that. So really, it's, it's just kind of moving this whole conversation forward and kind of giving us a look at, at what may be, may be coming down the, down the road in terms of uh, autonomous vehicles. Right. It makes a lot of sense. And I think autonomous trucks also make a lot of sense. And we'll probably be seeing them on the roads in some deployment in the not too distant future. Thanks, Victoria. Yeah. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thank you, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week. Glad to be here. My pleasure. And again, our thanks to Joe Ryan from Overhaul Group for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our new 11-part limited podcast series from CSCMP's Supply Chain Quarterly on the top 10 supply chain threats. Search on your favorite podcast platform for the top supply chain threats to subscribe. Again, that's the top 10 supply chain threats. And a reminder, Logistics Matters is sponsored by Rider the only fully integrated logistics and transportation provider in the industry. Rider Solutions cover the entire supply chain, including warehousing, transportation logistics, e-commerce fulfillment, and last mile. Discover how Rider can make you ever better at rider.com. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, so be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week. <music>